Welcome to It's In My Queue, the podcast where we talk about TV pilots. I'm Kara. And I'm Adina. And today we are talking about Ted Lasso. Today we have a special guest to join us here for this pilot, big Ted Lasso fan, Vanique, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Vanique. I... I'm a screenwriter. I started watching Ted Lasso in the middle of season... Well, I started watching it from the beginning, but while season two was airing. So I think I watched up until 208 was out, which was horrific for me. But I've been hooked on it ever since. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, also we're supposed to ask all our guests this. What is your sign? Ooh, let's get into it. Okay. I am a Taurus rising Aquarius. No, I'm not. That's a lie. I'm a Taurus sun, Aquarius moon, Virgo rising. And then the rest of my chart is absolute chaos. We will not get into it. That's okay. Cause we actually don't know very much about astrology at all. We just started asking that to all of our guests and now it's our thing. And so we just add, and we have no commentary whatsoever. Yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I don't know very much about, I do know like, you know, my rising and moon. It's funny because we, last semester, we asked a couple of people in my feature writing class, asked our professor for his very exact birth information. And one guy in my class was like, don't answer them. They're trying to do your chart. He was like so mad. We just loved that professor. Anyway, we are here to talk about Ted Lasso. The reason that I we have Vanique here today is because we both write for the website ScreenSpec, which I feel like I don't talk about often enough. So it's a little film and television website. You should check it out. I'll link it in the show notes. And a lot of the people at ScreenSpec really love Ted Lasso. So when Adina and I said we were going to do Ted Lasso today... I went into the Slack and was like, does anyone want to come talk about Ted Lasso? We have to, we have to clarify the reason we're doing Ted Lasso now. Yes, because it's also nominated for some Emmys, but the reason we're doing it right after Barry is it's kind of part two of this, the the series on the, the ex SNL quirky white guys who now play conflicted, depressed, anxious characters and are nominated for outstanding lead actor in a comedy. And they're the two front runners of the race. And there was definitely a more eloquent way to say that. But it's just funny that Jason Sudeikis and Bill Hader have so many of those things in common and they're the two front runners. But Barry and Ted Lasso are extremely different shows. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, this all three of us have all seen Ted Lasso before. I started watching Ted Lasso last year. It was right after it, the Emmy nominations came out. And it was one I was going to get around to because I'd seen people talking about it. I I actually really hate sports shows, but I like Jason Sudeikis. I've liked Jason Sudeikis since his SNL days. He was like one of my favorite cast members. I feel, yeah, so, so he was like a main memory of my SNL phase. So I was like, oh, I'll check this out. But again, I hate sports shows. But after the Emmy nominations came out last year for season one, I was like, okay, I'm finally going to try and watch this. But oh, I don't have Apple TV. But then my mom said, I've got a free year of Apple TV. And so I said, I'm using it. (laughs) I watched all of season one in a day. And then I was like ready for when season two came out. So I watched all of Mm. season two as it aired. 
Um, we watched it together. Yeah. As a yeah. Nerd, which was fun once we moved to LA. Um, yes. Actually, we moved to LA when like two episodes were a out. A few episodes were out yeah. because I, the first few I watched at home in my basement. It was like my Friday morning breakfast. I would yeah. like have it with my coffee. Sometimes my dog would come sit with me. But yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I watched season one of Ted Lasso before it was cool <laughs> because because I had I had a year of Apple TV free trial because I got a new phone in 2020 and that's when they were still giving you a whole year because no one was subscribed to Apple TV yet. So I had already watched through the shows I was actually interested in. I watched like Mythic Quest and whatever else was there. And I remember the ads they had for Ted Lasso, like they would play ads for other Apple TV shows. The ads they had for Ted Lasso made it look awful. Their own ads that they made were really bad and did not sell the show. They made it seem like it was about this cringy, awkward, white guy, like misogynist coach. Like it really portrayed the show as something that it's very much not. And but then one of my friends happened to have watched it and was like, oh, yeah, it's actually like really cute and fun. And then I tried it and it was cool. And then I was there were several months of me being like, hey, guys, have you heard of this show, Ted Lasso to other people? And then all the Emmy nominations happened. And then the whole world did that. So (laughs) this is not me trying to be a hipster, just in that I had the experience of going into it, having no clue what it was and thinking it might be a little cringe. But then I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I I also this is the only show that I've ever recommended to my father that he actually watched within a timely manner. And he loved it. So it was a good wreck. Because mm-hmm. uh, I recommend my dad a lot of things. And then he doesn't get to them until like five years later. So I was really proud of this recommendation for him specifically. That's funny. Because I also recommended my mom to watch this show and she also watched it within time to be fair i still i live still i live with my mother again so i bullied her until she watched it she also watched and she had the i'm not gonna say the right opinions she shared my opinions and to me that is correct (laughs) my dad never tells me what he's thinking he'll just be like oh i watched this it was great some people just don't think about TV more than that. Like, I can't yeah. imagine yeah. that. Can you imagine just watching something and be like, I liked it or I didn't like it. And then no, you me stop and my thinking. Mom, me and my mom will get into really in-depth conversations. Like ever since we started doing this podcast, she'll send me like really thoughtful things. And I'll my, be like, mom, yeah. my mom too is starting to get more into, I mean, she's always had her own de- in-depth thoughts about her own media but we our interests would rarely overlap but she started listening to the podcast hi mom she's probably gonna get to she's listening to it in order so she's probably gonna get to this in like two years (laughs) but yeah it's shout out to moms for supporting our podcast yeah and for talking about for talking about tv with us and but honestly ted lasso was a show that i recommend to almost everybody because it really is i don't want to say it's universal like maybe not every single person will like it but there are many shows that i love but i would not recommend to everybody but like this is a show that i think a very large segment of the tv watching population could find something to enjoy about it i i was never gonna watch it originally though to be fair I was like, why would I want to watch a show with Jason Sudeikis? Who's, what? hello. And then I started watching it out of spite because a lot of my friends watched it and they liked it. And mm-hmm. there were like a handful of like really weird men being like, enjoying things that bring you joy sucks. And I was like, get help. So then I started watching it out of spite and now here we are. I do a lot yeah, of things out of spite yeah. and that is also why I have an MFA. <laughs> That's... It's a great motivation. It's a great motivation. 
we both started Succession out of spite, I was about to say the same thing. Uh, okay, <laughs> so let's move into a little bit about Ted Lasso. So the show was developed by Jason Sudeikis, Bill Lawrence, Brendan Hunt, and Joe Kelly. And the premise is that an American football coach comes to England to coach a football, as in soccer, team with no prior knowledge of soccer, which you're probably like, what the fuck? That's that's very stupid. So the origin of Ted Lasso is actually that he was created for NBC Sports in 2013 as part of their coverage of the Premier League. He was played by Jason Sudeikis back then. It's the same premise. He was the head coach for the team Tottenham Hotspur FC. Brendan Hunt is also in those commercials, if you go back and look. I've only seen like one of them, but I was like, oh, this is silly. It's like trying to get Americans interested in soccer in a way that I feel like we're not. I don't know that it worked. Anyway, but then in 2017, they brought in Bill Lawrence, who is known for Scrubs, to help develop this character of Ted Lasso for a television series, which was then commissioned by Apple TV in 2019. In 2019, we were all probably like, Apple TV, that sounds stupid. But now we're like, Apple TV is great. It, the, the content is great. The player needs work. Mm. But I have to say, this is not an ad for Apple TV, but I do think, especially with all of the weird news surrounding HBO Max lately, if you do not have Apple TV, I actually think at this point it would be worth the subscription. It's, I don't know what the price is. It's a very good is. value. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. still five bucks, right? They haven't raised it yet. My mom pays for it, so I mean, I'm if not, not the they're going. Asked. They're going to raise it eventually. But their whole yeah. the whole thing about Apple is like because they have such an absurd amount of money from being Apple, they can make all this content for their streaming service at a loss and provide free trials and provide it at a low cost at a loss right now because they're trying to get all the subscriber base and then they're going to jack up the prices later yeah. uh, which is inevitable but for now it's a good deal and even if you don't want to have it forever there are many shows that are worth watching on there so if you want to get it for a couple months yeah and i'm pretty sure they they the free trial they give you when you get a new apple product is at least three months at yeah. this point this is not a sponsored ad i wish we, we were sponsored by yeah, apple could you imagine the money <laughs> <laughs> that would be great so the show so far has run for two seasons starting in 2020 season three is on the way i have seen many people say that season three was meant to be the last one but now i've seen conflicting reports and i i personally would be okay with season three being the last season I am not as attached to Ted Lasso as I think some of the other screen spec people are. So, Vanique, I wondered your opinion on this. Um, I am I am so fine either way, honestly. I, the thing about it that, like, it doesn't irk me because it's been happening for so long now. It did at first, but it's the back and forth of, like, them being like, it's only going to be three seasons. Oh, but we don't know. But it's only like literally, I want to say two weeks ago, one day Hannah Waddingham was like, talk to Jason. He said it was only going to be three seasons, which I hate, but I respect him because he knows the vision and it's fine. And then literally the next day she was like, I don't know why people keep saying it's only going to be three seasons. Like, we don't know yet. And I'm like, girly. Yeah, she got yelled at. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, this is... I feel as though there are some shows that I can actually picture running for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And there are some where it's like, I'd actually rather you just wrap it in a neat bow and end it before it gets, feels like you're just drawing it out. And I think Ted Lasso is one of those for me, Mm -hmm. especially because I went into it thinking, oh, they've only got the three seasons and that's going to be great. They're going to get their ending exactly the way they want it before it gets weird and not good anymore. The other thing is season two, they got like an extra two episodes ordered after they had already started writing it. And this is this is not me knocking the writers because it seems like they found this out pretty late. So like, you know, they are they had like a 10 episode plan or whatever. And then they got told, oh, make two more episodes. But you can tell which two, even if you didn't know, you can tell which two episodes were the extra ones added. And Mm -hmm. again, this is just my personal opinion. I don't like either of those two episodes very much. They are by far my least favorites of the season. And so that's why I'm like, I would just as gladly have them not draw this out (laughs) more than they have to. Yeah. Is season three last? Who knows? Not. Um, Season four won't come for years. Like years. I think they will take a while because the cast has they've kind of all blown up a little bit if they yeah brett goldstein's in the mcu yeah. now i would rather uh, they just wrap it up nicely yeah hannah might be joining the mcu i hope it's only for this one thing yeah they all have like a lot of stuff coming up and so does jason so if season four happens it will not be for a while in my opinion i could be wrong i don't work there yeah so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Season one's main cast consists of Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, Jeremy Swift, Phil Dunster, Brett Goldstein, Brendan Hunt, Nick Muhammad, and Juno Temple. Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, fun fact, he's part of the writing staff. And as they were writing Roy, he was like, oh, he'd be fun to play. So he submitted himself and got the part. Are you not going to mention the fun fact that he is actually made of CGI? (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. That is, Uh. for for normal people who are not on the internet, there was a conspiracy theory on the internet ahead of the 2021 Emmys that Brett Goldstein is not a real man and he was made of CGI by Apple. And I couldn't tell how many people were joking and how many people really thought that. Yeah. (laughs) Who's to say? It, you never, you can never know on the internet. You can never tell. Um, you really can't tell. So yeah, and then of course, Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt are also on the writing staff. And as we as we know, Ted Lasso has received a lot of critical acclaim. Season one was nominated for 20 Emmys, which was the most nominated, which makes it the most nominated freshman comedy in award history. And I do believe that Glee used to hold that title before Ted Lasso. But it was for Glee's first season, which Mm -hmm. I will give it. And Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, and Brett Goldstein have all won Emmys for their performances. And if you have not already, you can check out our Emmy nominations conversation where we talk a little bit about what season two got nominated for, which included some newcomers in the supporting categories, including Sarah Niles and Toheeb Jimo, Mm -hmm. along with James Lance, Sam Richardson, and Harriet Walter in guest categories so yeah we did a we did three parts on the emmy nominations uh the comedy one you can check that out it's in there anyway this is the first episode that i did not write down who wrote it but i think it was jason stakis and joe kelly 
And you can find the script for the pilot somewhere online. Yes, I have read this script. It is a good script. So yeah, the episode begins. It's a football pitch. It's very hard to call it football. I'm sorry, I'm American. We're on a football pitch. We see these athletes at training, not practice. And then it pans up to a very fancy office. There is a woman. It is Rebecca, played by Hannah Waddingham. And she's staring at this painting. And she speaks. And she says that she and Rupert bought it on their fifth anniversary. Then she turns to this man named Higgins, played by Jeremy Swift, who is also in Downton Abbey, by the way, played Maggie Smith, Sassy Butler. He's like, oh, that's a hockney. It's worth a million pounds. And... So then Rebecca's like, oh yeah, you should have, you should have said yes. And then she turns to the mover and is like, put it in the auction pile. So Higgins just lost out on a Hockney. Sorry to him. Rebecca brings in George, who is the current head coach of FC Richmond. He's misogynist. He's wearing hoochie daddy shorts he shouldn't be wearing. And she fires him. And he's very confused. He's making some like, you know, misogynist comments the whole time. She calls him on that and she says, I know it's a big word. Ask one of your daughters what it means, which is a line I deeply enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So then he's obviously mad that, you know, she's firing him. So he throws a dig at her about what is it like? What's worse, your husband to cheat on you or you being the last to know? And then obviously he leaves. She doesn't let that comment affect her. She just asks for a salad. And then Higgins is like, oh, do you need me to make a list of new managers, new coaches. And she's like, no, I have a candidate. And then we cut to Sports Center, which is talking about the hiring of the new manager of FC Richmond, Ted Lasso, who brought a college football team, a Division II college football team. So not Division One, Division Two, The Wichita State Shockers, he got them a championship. And then it shows footage of him in the locker room dancing with his team. For those of you, those eagle-eyed viewers that have watched SNL, this is in fact the dance that Jason Sudeikis does during What's Up With That, which is one of my favorite sketches. <laughs> so it was very exciting to see when I very watched this episode for the very first time, I got excited. So basically the sports pundit wishes him luck. And then we cut to an airplane and out of the bathroom comes Ted Lasso. He sits down back at his seat on the plane and this teenager comes up to him and is like, oh my God, can we get an ussy rather than a selfie? He explains because there's two of them, it's not a selfie, <laughs> which is, I felt like that was a fair explanation. Yeah. He basically calls Ted a legend for doing something so massively stupid, which is going to teach us, going to coach a sport you know nothing about. Like It is pretty the dumb. Whole, yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole episode, you're thinking to yourself, why would you set yourself up? in this manner yeah i will do anything if it make if it's gonna make me laugh so i feel like ted would also do mm -hmm. that he was in fact the man for the job in that regard yeah so then he turns around to the person behind him who is coach beard played by brendan hunt coach beard as you can see is actually attempting to learn the sport of soccer because he's reading a book about soccer mm -hmm. um, so you know he's like you know telling him a little bit about like what he's learning about some of like the different terms and stuff stuff one of the terms is into touch 
which Ted says if he can work that into a sentence. It means out of bounds for all us Americans who don't know what that means. Yeah. And Ted's like, I'm going to work that into a sentence. And so then, you know, it's like you're when you're on your way to Europe, you should sleep on the plane if you're coming from America, because the time difference is going to really fuck with you. So they say, all right, we got to go get some sleep. And then before Ted Ted turns around to go to sleep, he says, if we see each other in our dreams, let's goof around a little bit. Pretend like we don't know each other. <laughs> so you're immediately getting the sense that this guy's kind of a goofball. It seems like he doesn't really take anything seriously. And, you know, Coach Beard indulges him. He nods. He's like, yeah, you got it. And then Ted turns around again in his seat. He looks at his lock screen. It's a picture of a woman and a child. So presumably his family that he's leaving behind back home in America. And that is the teaser. Then we've got our title screen. Mm. Any thoughts about this teaser? This is an interesting teaser to me for a couple reasons. Not that I think it's ineffective. It's just that it's structured a little differently than a lot of the other comedy teasers that we've talked about. Like, most comedy teasers, I feel like, start on the protagonist, first of all. And this does not start on Ted. It starts on Rebecca, who is also a protagonist in her own way, but she's not the title character. And in fact, she kind of is the antagonist of season one. And so I think introducing it that way, I think it's interesting because I think it, it also the fact that we see the sports center coverage of Ted, we see other people's opinions of Ted being kind of a goofball who's incompetent before we actually meet him, which is an interesting way to introduce your protagonist. But also, mm-hmm. like, I i can't help myself, but I'm thinking of the whole season, and I'm like, I think the fact that they start on Rebecca here, even though she is, you know, nominally, effectively, the, the antagonist of season one, it's, in a way, primes us for accepting her as a protagonist after that, after she gets over that desire So I feel like that's kind of like a long game move from them. I think that's a good way to put it. What about you, Vinique? Well, I actually have, it's not really even a conspiracy theory. I'm writing another Ted Lasso piece for Screen Spec that is actually about how Rebecca is the main character of Ted Lasso. So I Hmm. think that, which, I mean, I came up with that idea and then I read somewhere that Jason literally said that she was the main character and I was like, sir... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like kind of annoying that he confirmed it, but I like knowing that I'm right, so whatever. But I think them starting on her is part of the of knowing that she of like showing that she is the main character and like yes, season one is about Ted's journey, but it I feel like we get more of Rebecca in season one and her own emotional journey and yes how it it's in t- intertwined with Ted's but I feel that I feel like there's slightly more of a focus on her so I think that is partially why they started on Mm. Rebecca and you're so right them starting like showing us what other people think of Ted before we get to see Ted I know that they did that so that like our expectations could be undercut by like learning more about him and stuff which I thought was effective i really loved the plane scene because it it showed a lot of ted in such like a short scene and it showed you his dynamic with beard which is such an important part of the show and also like who he is as a person and then i love the 
Ted Lasso theme song. I, I just think it's so funny. The way that it just like starts with yeah, really loud. I love that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's what I think of the teaser. Also, there's a line that I'm not going to repeat that Rebecca says to George that I think is deeply hilarious every single time she says it. I had to refrain from writing a lot of her lines down because the notes that I took would have looked ridiculous because it mostly would have just been me typing out Rebecca's she is, lines. She's pretty fucking funny. Honestly, who is funnier and more powerful than a woman who's going through a divorce? Exactly. No True. one. So moving on, we are now at the airport. We learned Ted got no sleep on the plane, so he's about to be fucked because now he's here. It's the middle of the day. He can't go to sleep. So anyway, the driver comes to pick them up and Ted Ted says, can we make a quick pit stop? And so they go to the tower bridge and Ted is looking at it like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's like, great, thanks for indulging us. And then the driver's like, yeah, so this was tower bridge. And he's like, right, not the London bridge because that one fell down. <laughs> he's a, con- a little confused. He's got the spirit. Next, we make our way to FC Richmond. So Ted and Beard are finally here. And they're, you know, walking around and they go out onto the football pitch. Ted touches the grass because, you know, he wants to see what it feels like. He's and like, because it's different? very important to touch grass, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Touching um, grass is an important part of everyone's health. Yeah. Get outside if you haven't today. <laughs> Thanks. And then you hear this man shouting at, at him not to touch the grass. He's like, get off the grass. And there's this man, his name is, he introduces himself later as Nathan or Nate. He's played by Nick Muhammad. And he's like yelling at them. And then when he realizes that this is the new manager, he's so embarrassed. He's like, oh my God, I've yelled at the new manager. He's going to hate me now. You can see that he's like a little timid, a little shy, doesn't really know how to interact with others. And he says that he will take them to meet Rebecca. And at one point, Ted asks for his name. And he's confused because he's like, my name? No one ever asks for my name. And he takes Ted and Beard up to the office. You see Rebecca and Higgins are in there and he says, I'll introduce you. But he stops short. No words come out of his mouth and he just runs away. And then you see Ted and Beard pop their heads out from the the doorway. And so they introduce themselves. So Ted's like, hello, Ms. Walton. And she says, call me Rebecca. Ms. Walton's my father. Which leads Ted to say, which I, why didn't I write this down? But he basically says something that's like, oh, that's a great joke. But if not, if it's not a joke, I'd love to unpack that with you later. <laughs> and so, you know, Beard and Higgins go because they're going to, you know, get their stuff about where they're staying. All, all squared away, get the Wi-Fi information, very important. And Rebecca is like, let's have a chat. Can I get you something to, something to drink? How about some tea? And Ted says, I wrote this down. He said, well, usually I take it right back to the counter because someone's made a horrible mistake. He's like, but you know, when in Rome, he takes the tea and he says, you know, I always figured the tea was going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. It's horrible. No, thank you. And Ted hates tea. It's funny because he's such a positive and all loving character other in other ways so to take, you know, to take this this guy who just is so open, he's his key traits are that he's positive and that he's open to trying anything. But to give him one thing that he absolutely fucking hates relentlessly and it's something so innocuous as tea. And he's still so really polite funny. about it. Yeah. Like, even as he's like, God, this is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever tasted. He's got a smile on his face. Yeah. Which 
every so often like you watch this sometimes and you're like dude are you okay because he's not (laughs) the answer is no he is not we don't know that yet but so yeah you know they're having their little chat and then rebecca says would you like a tour and ted says oh i'd love to see abbey road and she's like no i met at the club and he's like oh yeah that too so she's you know taking him around you know she's like saying some stuff about fc richmond's history she says it was used as a hospital during the war so sometimes people when they come to games still like you know say they've seen a fallen soldier and she says do you believe in ghosts ted and he says i do but more importantly i think they need to believe in themselves which this line is not in the script that you can find online bill lawrence did not like that line and he wanted to take it out and jason was like no this line is funny we're keeping it in and they kept it in everybody loved that line It's it's a funny line. That's like one of the first gifts of the show I saw, I think, was Ted saying that line. Because it's funny. Anyway, Rebecca's showing off the wall of previous owners. Ted is like, oh, that guy looks like a good time. And it is Rupert pictured with a bunch of women. And she's like, that's my ex-husband. And he's like, oh, well, sometimes a good time's not a good time for everybody. And he asks her, oh, by the way, I heard about all that. How are you holding up? And she seems shocked. That anyone is asking about her at all and she's like oh she's like you know just kind of brushes it off but she's clearly like oh my god i can't believe someone asked that and she doesn't really know how to react to it that's like a good little nugget that's thrown in there mm-hmm. about rebecca's mental state mm-hmm. um next rebecca says all right you gotta address the press and ted's like oh yeah i'll be great to do that in a couple of days once i'm not jet lagged anymore she's like oh no you're gonna do it right now immediately thrown to the wolves no prep. This is crazy. So these next few scenes are intercut. So we start in the press room and then it's also intercut with the locker room. So you see the players really for the first time as they're watching this on the little TV in there. So as the press conference is about to start, everyone's being rowdy and loud. And then Roy, you see Roy Kent and he silences everyone. He says something vulgar. I didn't write it down, but that's how he gets silence from everyone. This is also intercut with a scene at the pub where you have these three fans of Richmond. They're huge fans, super fans. They appear often on the show. They're very fun. And they're always at this pub. They are also watching this press conference. So the press conference begins. Ted has some water he drinks it and it's sparkling. He wasn't expecting it to be fizzy. So he spits it out all over everyone's phones and recorders. And so he explains, yes, I have never coached the sport that you call football. And I know very little about it. And so all of the reporters are like, are you for real? Everyone in the locker room is like, is this guy for real? The the people in the pub are so perplexed. They finally start taking questions and we get a question from this one man with great hair, who introduces himself as Trent Krim, the Independent. And every time he introduces himself, he says that. It is very fun. And he stands up and he basically recaps everything Ted said about he know- how he knows nothing about this sport. And Ted is like, so do you actually have a question there, Trent? And he said, yes. Is this a fucking joke? And then the scene just gets more embarrassing and you just can hear, you start to hear that little ringing sound you know, when something mm-hmm. is clearly wrong. And I was like, oh, some foreshadowing do we see? The universal TV code for this person's having a mental health issue. <laughs> yeah. So 
this is the first moment in this pilot where Ted seems actually not okay. Like, it's the first time you get a glimpse of him feeling anything but positive, which is also interesting because he's never like that on when he's like on camera usually he's very much his like usual cheery self and he takes another sip of the water forgetting that it was bubbly spits it out and finally rebecca steps in and she says this like gives this really rousing speech saying that she's like she's like richmond is nothing but very mediocre i've like been to every game like her husband owned this club it's her club now she's not she's not stupid basically and she says at least mr lasso has done something which is win a trophy within this millennium and she says they're going to be doing things the lasso way so you know maybe she believes in him and so you guys should too they leave this press conference you're feeling really good about it you're like oh wow she really believes in him and rebecca says to ted like oh you'll prove them wrong and Ted's like, okay, I want to go say hi to the team. So he and Beard go off and they go to see the team. And Higgins says to Rebecca, you know, I was really worried, ma'am, but I'm like super excited by your choice after you've said all those nice things. And then Rebecca goes, oh, he's an absolute wanker. I hope he fails miserably because, and this is where we get Rebecca's main goal. The only thing that Rupert ever loved was this club. And so she wants to bring the club down. And this is where I wrote, if this were on network, that would be a commercial break. It's so funny because I was looking at your notes. I was thinking that in my head and then I scrolled down in the notes and read that. And I was like, oh yeah, Kara and I are on the same page. Yes. <laughs> Traditional end of act one line. We are shocked. Higgins is shocked. This is the first moment where Higgins, Higgins is like very nervous throughout all of season one. And this is like the height of his nerves right here. He's like, excuse me, pardon me, what? I feel like this is just... You know, it's a very end of act one moment because this sells the the premise of the show. We were talking a little bit last week about Barry, about how, you know, in your premise, there should be an obvious conflict. And there's really obvious conflict in both Ted and Rebecca's characters within them and also them to each other. Ted is a he's going to be a soccer coach and he knows nothing about soccer. So there is that's inherently a conflict and that's inherently funny. And he wants to win despite knowing nothing about it. And Rebecca, on the other hand, is heading up this football club that she hates and does not want it to succeed. So she, the coach of a club that is trying to sabotage or the owner of a club, sorry, the owner who wants to sabotage it and wants it to lose. So both of them, both of those are inherently you can tell that that character is going to be interesting to watch and their goals are in opposition to each other. So it's just it's a really, really neat set up that immediately makes you want to see how it's going to all play out so mm -hmm. i know the like i know that it made me like rebecca even more when she said this i was like is I, my brain is like is that weird to say but um, i just i feel as though like you can see how much she's gone through and like mm -hmm. obviously she works through it over the season and it really I just feel like this does such a good job of setting up what she's gonna go through and this entire journey for her 
I feel like she was the one I was watching this pilot rather than Ted. So now I'm kind of yeah. getting what you're saying, Eek. Yeah, about... I kind of I kind of am too. And I also just want to throw in there because we've also talked a lot on this podcast about like characters who do bad things and why can we still like them? Fortunately, Rebecca, I have not. I'm sure there are probably some idiots out there on the internet that are like, I hate Rebecca. She's terrible. But she doesn't get that treatment as much as a lot of other female quote unquote antagonists. And by that, I just mean the person who's kind of working against the male protagonist goal. She doesn't get that treatment quite as much, but this is a really good example of, I feel like people, it's very easy to like and root for a character, even who's kind of working against the main goal of the show, if they're good at what they're doing. I feel like this moment is like, Rebecca's a really good liar and she has a really good plan. And that's why it's so entertaining to watch and see if she's going to pull it off. I think, yeah, I think that if this were done by a person who were, you know, not very smart, I would be like, this isn't going to work for you. And also later on, you meet, you meet the ex-husband and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck this guy. (laughs) I'm on her side no matter what. So yeah, that I feel like this does a good job of even though she's doing something that's not that great, I'm still like, I don't care. So it's because I get where she's coming from. It's also Um, just, it's a satisfying moment of like, they don't spend that much time trying to give you this image but like the initial image that you get is like oh this woman's now the owner of the club and she doesn't know what she's doing but then they turn that and flip it on its head oh she knows exactly what she's doing she's going to run this into the fucking ground and she's mm-hmm. gonna do it I support women yep. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this pilot I've watched it I think five times not on purpose but I keep wanting to rewatch the whole show and then I just watch the pilot and get distracted by other things I have so many thoughts I feel like this section specifically sets up a lot of like patterns that continue on in the rest of the show and like the tiniest little ways. And I want to, I was going to be like, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but knowing the way that Jason is set up, I'm pretty sure he did it on purpose. But like, I know a lot of like, behind the scenes stuff because I am insane and the scene Rebecca and Ted's first scene where he where she says please call me Rebecca Miss Walton is my father or whatever Rebecca is first of all that is a dad joke if I have ever heard one and (laughs) Rebecca is not a dad jokey person like she's very funny but not with dad jokes and I always thought that that was so weird to, for her to say, not in a bad way. I just find that, I just find that interaction so interesting. Cause like, why did, why did she say that? And then also w- the tea interaction where she's like, do you want something to drink? And he's like, oh, and he starts to say something and she like bulldozes over him. And she's like, how do you take your tea? And then they have that whole thing. Hannah said, apparently they're, like that initial banter back and forth was like very much her, the way that her and Jason were as soon as they met, which I find so interesting. And I think that, that is why, partially why Rebecca never really feels like an antagonist because she like is already so a part of everything, even when she's trying so hard to like destroy the club and like ruin everything. It she doesn't feel like she's not 
in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting to watch her arc because she is, I mean, she's fundamentally a nice and good person who's trying very hard yeah. to be evil and full of yeah. hate because she's hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, again, I still root for her. I'm like, yes, girl, destroy this club. <laughs> you deserve it. But at the same time, like you can see over the season, that's not what she really wants. Yeah. And it's a really, it is a really well done arc. I And you see that constant tension between her opening up to Ted and also to the whole team and enjoying it, but then pulling back because she's like, I need to keep my distance if I want to accomplish this goal of fucking them all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel as though that whole thing of you having a plan executing a plan without having ever having met a person it always gets fucked up somehow when the person's actually there Mm -hmm. you know because now she's met this guy and so it's gonna go like she's like all she's ever seen are clips of him acting like a doofus so she's like this will be so easy but then you like meet him and then he like asks her how she's holding up when clearly no one else has and she's like huh you know it's things little things like that where she's like where you can like see that she's kind of thinking is this gonna work but she's like you know still on the path Mm -hmm. of like trying to make this happen because she really hates Rupert which is fair I also Um, think it's this it's really very interesting to me in the press room when Ted is flopping incredibly hard and he does like his ears do start ringing and that's the moment when Rebecca's like, hey, actually, I know what I'm doing and you will not question me. She does it as a power move and she's obviously lying. But I find it interesting that like, cause she looks at Ted before she does that, mm-hmm. I am pretty sure. And yeah, it's it kind foreshadows of another moment later on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just like, I kind of want to flip a table because Dang, they really did that. There's a lot of thought put into everything. Yeah. All right, continuing on, we're back from the commercial break if this were on network. <laughs> so we are out on the football pitch. The team's at training. Ted and Beard go out to meet them. Beard is helping Ted a little bit with his lingo. Oh, I'd like to add, he did throw into touch, into conversation <laughs> during the press conference yeah and no one else cared about it or thought it was clever but he clearly was like i won this one and everyone else was like what are you talking about man yeah and beard was just kind of like beard gave like a singular nod as he does because he is not a man he is a man of few words yeah so beard's helping ted out with some more of like you know the soccer lingo they see nate who is like the kit man i think that's what you call it Mm -hmm. he's like you know by the by the water coolers he's got a sports drink you see Roy, who is the team captain. He's yelling at everyone. And Ted's kind of like confused by his yelling. And so Nate and Beard explain to him that he's like, Roy Kent is like a legend. He won Champions League with Chelsea. And then Nate adds in the eight years ago because it was a while ago. So he's like a star, but like a waning star. And then you see the new star, Jamie Tart. He kicks, he does like a kick. He's very cool. Very 23-year-old energy in this this little man. He's the top scorer on the team. Then you see another man come up to him. He like tries to help him up, but Jamie kind of rebukes the touch. And this is Sam Obasanya, who's from Nigeria. And Ted is like, oh, who are 
oh, are these people just from everywhere? Anyway, Ted and Beard make their way into the locker room. Ted says, it smells like potential. And am I getting notes of Axe body spray? Which they call Lynx, his favorite of the Jungle Cats. And so, you know, they're just kind of walking around surveying it. And then the players come back in. You see a few of them kind of teasing Nate. You get a little bit of that dynamic, maybe sort of a little bit of an understanding of why he was so weird with Ted earlier, since Ted is an authority figure. And then if that's the way people are normally treating him, why would anyone treat him nicely? Roy walks by, gives such a menacing look. And then Ted begins to make a speech as, you know, the players are, you know, getting changed, getting ready to leave at the end of the day. And then we see a new character. Her name is Keely, played by Juno Temple. She comes in and she's like, oh, is, is, every, is everyone decent? And she opens her eyes and everyone is decent. She's like, boys, how disappointing. And she is here to pick up Jamie for his wax. And you're like, what? This young dude with this, this lady? You're confused. Sure, I was also confused. Especially considering the gifts I had seen before I started the show. I was very confused. Um, I, I will admit, I didn't really, I don't always think that consciously about characters' ages when I'm just looking at people, because I know actors are often playing very different ages than what they are. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I didn't really clock it until later in the season. They say that Jamie's 23 or 24 and Keely's like 30 or 31. And I was like, girl, what I, are you doing? As- I cannot, as a t- almost 26-year-old, I can't imagine dating a 23-year-old Exactly, now. exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, what do you have to talk about? But, but yeah. they're not, I don't think they're doing They don't do talking, much talking. Frankly. <laughs> anyway, so she's here to pick up Jamie for his wax. Jamie, it's like the middle of Ted's speech. And Jamie's like, oh, do you need me to stay? Very give, giving off very much the airs of I'm the star, I do what I want. Because he knows he knows he's good at football and he knows that everyone loves him, which is very annoying. And so he, so Ted's like, oh no, it's whatever, it's okay, you can go. So then he tells Keely to walk out first so he can watch her ass on the way out. And that is the whole, that's the interaction. Anyway, then we get a little montage of Ted and Beard setting up their new office, um, which ends with Beard trying to keep Ted from falling asleep. Then Ted sees Roy leaving the locker room, so he calls him in, and he's like, oh, the boys really respond to you, and it really seems like you've had a great career. And Roy's like, thanks. Never thought it would end being coached by Ronald fucking McDonald. And then he leaves. And Ted Ted says to Beard, you're just going to let him talk to you like that? And Beard was like, I don't think he was referring to me. And then they're like, they're both kind of like, just wait until we win him over. He's going to be pissed. And they're which, so right. Which is hilarious <laughs> because it's he true. Gets so pissed. Which is also how I feel. Which is also, I feel like that sentence could also apply to Rebecca. They just don't know that. It could apply um, to like, like every single character yeah. on the show, honestly. It's true. It's true. But Roy, Roy consciously, like, it, they consciously know that they are yeah. going to affect Roy yeah. one day. And then Ted goes back into the locker room and he hangs up the iconic Believe poster with some tape. And then he goes over to Jamie's locker and you see this topless photo of Keely. And he just puts some tape over her nipples on Like a sensor bar. Yeah. And Keely comes back. Keely comes back, and she notices him doing this, and so she like fakes a male voice. So he's like, "Oh fuck!" 
and it scares him. And then he's just, she's just kind of like joking. She doesn't really care. And then she says that she came back because Jamie left his phone and he's still getting waxed. Apparently he's very hairy. She tells Ted that the poster is crooked. She so goes, she, had- she points at it and she goes, I believe it's crooked, <laughs> which is, I think that's my favorite line of the pilot, honestly. <laughs> I did not clock that one. That is funny. (laughs) And so she attempts to help him fix it. But later you do see that it is in fact still crooked. Just crooked the other way. Which is very endearing. It really fits with the show, frankly. I liked this little moment where Keely like goes into Jamie's locker and she sees the the tape that he's put over her boobs and she kind of just smiles a little. And then she says, don't, she says to Ted, don't get on Twitter because he's trending. And she says to avoid hashtag Richmond wanker or dick. Then she curtsies and tells him welcome to England. And that is the last we see of Keely in this pilot. I've watched season, all of season one, like maybe twice or something. And I feel like this isn't something I necessarily noticed on first watch, but it like really stuck out to me this time that like, and I've said it on other, in other places. I don't know that besides Rebecca, I don't really know that the Ted Lasso writers know how to write women. And it's like blatantly obvious because the only two women we see in this pilot are Rebecca and Keely. And literally these were, this was, those were the only things we saw of Keely. And I sat there and I I was like, Wow. I was saying this to Kara when I was watching it yesterday. This Keely's entire appearance in this pilot feels very artificial to me. It feels like she really had no business being in the show until episode two, but they wanted to introduce her in the pilot because they wanted her. They wanted to be like, she's a series regular. I feel like it would have been okay if they left her until episode two because we've seen we've seen other shows that introduce series regulars in episode two and it's fine because it's more Mm -hmm. natural. I would have been fine with it, especially because it's a streaming show. So like... I guess maybe they didn't want people to think there's only one woman on the show, but having only two women is not that different. Whatever. And it's also like only having two women and then only one of them is doing one thing of substance yeah. actually feels more glaring to yeah. me. Yeah, but I mean, I will say, maybe we can talk about this more after, but like Keely was and maybe still is my favorite character. I just naturally loved her because I think Juno Temple's a great performer. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, she has nothing of substance to do ever. Not in season one, not in season two. She's never doing anything important. She's just there to comment on other character stories and to be a freaking love interest for a bunch of the guys. Yeah. The thing about that that bothers me the most is that, like, if for if the writer's room were was, like, full of men, then I could be, like, I would still be irritated, but I'd be, like, well, that makes sense. But there are so many there's a, yeah there's a lot of women in that room like girlies what what like what and it's okay for it to be a male majority show that's totally fine but it's like you have two women in your main cast three in season two when they add doc sharon but you have two women in your main cast one of them has a substantive role the other one is a series regular and is played by a very talented performer like juno temple is great to watch and you're not doing shit with her i like her and rebecca's <laughs> relationship in season one because i think it is imperative to rebecca's arc but after that why is keely there like they don't yeah what they try and do they're like she's a publicist now in season two but there's absolutely no goals or conflict whatsoever with it she's just kind of there being a girl boss yep. 
It doesn't, yeah, literally nothing of substance. Like, you could remove her from season two, I think, and almost nothing would change. All right. So now we've got, we've just got a couple more scenes. So (laughs) we're almost there. (laughs) So next we are outside of FC Richmond and Nate is going to drive Ted and Beard home in what looks like a little clown car. Like, I don't know how they fit. And Rebecca, Rebecca's standing outside with Higgins by her car. She has a driver. It's a Rolls Royce. She is a very rich lady. Uh, Love that for her. And so she kind of like shouts over to Ted and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. We should have ordered you a car. He's like, he's kind of enjoying it. He's, you know, messing around. He's having since in England, they drive on the other side of the road. He is miming like he's honking the horn when it's actually Nate doing it. He's being very goofy. He's also probably so tired. I feel like this amplified his goofiness. He Mm -hmm. has not slept in many hours. So Nate drives Ted and Beard to where they're staying. Higgins is very stressed Mm -hmm. about Rebecca's plan to sabotage the club. It's like affecting him. You know that thing where you like, you feel like something's stuck in your throat. It's like he feels like he's about to choke or like Mm -hmm. throw up or something. And so Rebecca gives him a promotion. She's like, oh, I'm sure it will help now that you're our new director of football operations. And that's going to come with like a pay raise. He was before he was like director of communications, which is already a pretty decent job, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now he's director of football operations, which seems like, you know, the whole big deal. He's going to make more money. He has many children, so he could use it. Then Rebecca gets in her car and she says, you can keep quiet about this. I'm because I'm sure you had to keep quiet about sneaking all of those women in and out for Rupert behind my back. Which was crazy when she said that. I said, you get him right now. I loved that moment. Great moment. Rebecca in this pilot, top tier. Mm -hmm. Love her. My favorite character. Anyway, now we are at Ted's flat. This is where he'll be staying while he's here. Beard, before he goes in, Beard gives him the money for working into touch, into the conversation. He won the bet. So we go into Ted's flat. There's a gift basket waiting for him that says, welcome, Tim Lasso. We're seeing Ted really subdued as he's checking out his like new space, you know, looking around. He takes a shower and then he like, you see him counting on his fingers. He's like checking the time difference Mm -hmm. between here, like here, England and Kansas. So he tries to call home. He calls his son. He talks with him for like, just a minute before it seems like his son's a little bit too preoccupied to talk to him. So he hands the phone off to Ted's wife. And so they're kind of talking, but you can like kind of hear him trying to stay positive. It's like very much that phone conversation where someone's asking you, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like your voice gets a little higher. You're like, yeah, it's great. That's what's happening here on the phone. Something that he says clearly struck a nerve with Michelle. We can't hear her but like the way that he's kind of like apologizing he says that's what i'm doing i am giving you your space you're hearing like all this stuff this is the first time he's like and then you're like oh see that's what's wrong with this guy this is the moment we get it and he like tries to say i love you it's very clear she does not say it back even though we can't hear her on the phone and they say good night and he hangs up then he gets ready for bed and he turns out the light And after a moment, you just hear him go, shoot, now I can't sleep. And that's the end of the pilot. So I would also like to say this is this scene plays out a little bit differently than it does in the script, the way that it's written out in the script. Ted does tries to do a video call with 
Henry and Michelle. And so like you you can actually hear them all talking. And I actually like this better. Like you don't necessarily need to hear what Michelle and Henry are saying to know that Ted's kind of going through it. Things are not necessarily right at home. And I actually think it would have made the scene longer. I think that might be a case of this is this is for the, the actual screenwriters in the audience. Sometimes you have to write scenes a little differently when you're just writing it as a script for people to read mm-hmm. for them to get the idea. Like, I feel like if this was like for the network or for people to buy the show, writing out the other half of that conversation might help. So they know what's going on and there's no doubt. So you don't have to write an action line that's like, Ted clearly looks sad, like she didn't say I love you back. But when you have it on screen, you can be like, yeah, Jason knows how to sell this scene. He can sell all the important beats of that conversation and we don't have to see it. And then that's much more effective. So I feel like sometimes it's okay to recognize some of the choices you're going to make when writing might not be how you would want to film it one day. Yeah. But you just Mm -hmm. have to get it on the page. That That is true. Yep. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. So what did we think of this pilot overall? I think in that last scene outside of Richmond, when they're all about to leave, and Rebecca says, you're a godsend, Ted Lasso, and she's clearly being sarcastic. And then he replies very genuinely, takes one to no one. The amount of layers that two lines has is so insane to me. Because like, Mm-hmm. The name Theodore means, like, God sent. It means sent from God or something like that. Oh. And then his last name is Lasso. And Rebecca ne- means to bind a lot. Just a lot going on with that. Wow. And then, like, her saying you're a godsend in a sarcastic way. But then later on, fi- like, the way that things play out, even into season two, he really is a godsend to her. And it's takes one to know one it's the same like it's that interaction makes me so upset in a good way Mm. and then like yeah to have the pilot end the way that it does where like it started where you see Rebecca and she's clearly not she's not a happy lady and that she is just gotten divorced she's gotten this club she She's very curt, very, like, coarse with people. And then you meet Ted, and he's very happy-go-lucky and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the pilot, you see that Ted is, like, maybe about to go through something similar to Rebecca. Like, his life is not all the way that it seems to be, even though I feel like people who seem happy all the time, you can clearly tell that they have gone through it or are currently going through it. Um, So I thought the juxtaposition of the first and last scene were very interesting. Very good pilot, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I, we sort of brought this up as we were talking through the whole thing, but everything in Ted Lasso is super purposeful. And this is something I say a lot, and I don't mean this in a bad way, When I say it, I always have to preface that because I feel like when you use the word predictable, people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's awful. Yeah. I don't think it is awful that I think that this show is predictable. Mm -hmm. I think that it's clearly thought through. Um, There are, there's groundwork in here for all sorts of things that are going to happen later. You can tell when like a writer really loves a project. Um, And I feel as though we have seen a lot of TV 
we're living in post Game of Thrones world where people were figuring out what was going to happen. And so D&D were like, oh, we got to switch it up on them and like do something completely different because people figured it out. And it's like, no, you don't have to. It's not a bad thing that people can see where it's going all the time, because even if they do see where it's going, they're never going to do it. Think they're probably not going to think of it in the exact way that you did, because you know the characters actually better than the audience also, does. sometimes seeing the ending that has been building up to clearly is satisfying yeah. rather than <laughs> boring. But I also wanted to shout out, I agree with everything you just said, Kara. I want to shout out that I also think the writers of this show are clever at picking a few times to subvert your expectations. Yeah. They don't mm-hmm. they they fulfill a lot of expectations in ways that are emotionally satisfying, like Ted wins everyone over. You know, him and Rebecca form a bond. Like, you know, like the the characters all like emotionally grow and whatever, which are all great. But there are a couple of times when the plot veers a little bit away from where you think is the very predictable cliche territory, like the end of season one, when they they don't win the championship by the end of season yeah. one. They actually don't do very well at all. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spo- like, sorry, that's I don't think that's a huge spoiler considering it's the show not. keeps going. Um, but there's also <laughs> a moment in season two that I will not explain, but anyone who has seen season two will know what I'm referring to, where I, as... I feel like I can call myself a savvy TV viewer. I was like, oh my God, I see where they're going. This foreshadowing so obvious. And then they did something really different. And I loved it because it was, I don't want to say it was a twist, but it was a different direction that I had thought it was going in this very predictable direction, but it was a different direction that was surprising and that also fit all of the lead up. It also fit all of the clues. And to me, that is one of the really, really fun things about TV when you can get people following clues and engaging and then give them something different than what they expected, but it still works and it doesn't feel like a swerve out of nowhere. Exactly. I I agree. I think there's this, we've gotten to this weird point where everybody wants every expectation to be subverted in television because yeah. like new and different and I'm like you know sometimes things are expected because they make sense like yeah, expectations yeah. exactly in an illogical way just to be different does not it's not a good thing the way that people seem to think it is like exactly Ted Lasso has a way of subverting expectations in just the right way where it still makes sense not always the follow-through but the mm-hmm. initial the initial yeah. you're kind of like oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I definitely I agree with all of what you just yeah. said. Sometimes the back gets fumbled, and that's okay. It's television. It's not the end of the world. But I feel like this show, for the most part, is so good at being like, we are telling you that we're going to give you this, and we're taking you on the journey, so that when you get there, you're going to love it. Or they're like, you might get this, and then never mind. We're going to give you something else, and you're gonna be okay with it because it still makes sense which i appreciate yeah Mm -hmm. i feel like there is a subset of people that watch tv i i feel like this is such an unfun way to watch where they either want to predict everything and want to be right and if they're not right they get really mad but also if they predict everything and they're right they're like that's too predictable I'm yeah. like, well, what so we then? can't win. Basically, yeah. basically, no one wins. I mean, I like, 
for me, like I would cite a moment like that particular reveal in Ted Lasso season two that it makes me feel really excited when I think something's predictable and then it's not, but it also makes sense. That is a really unique moment of joy, but also that can't happen all the time. It's impossible to pull that off all the time. You have to have, because if you subvert expectations every time, then people expect you to subvert expectations, et cetera, et cetera. You have to balance it in the way that's right for your story. And that's going to be different for every different story. So I agree. And I also think that Ted Lasso is like, it, it, I feel like it tells you everything it's going to do, but like in code, if that makes sense, because I feel like, it's a very predictable show, but the fact that it has subverted a few expectations, people mm-hmm. think that that like that's like how the show is overall. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 yeah, they mm-hmm. they do have a balance, and I think that people don't get that that balance is okay, and it's probably yeah, for the best. yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's why, yeah, I, like I said, I am not nearly as invested in Ted Lasso as some of the other screen spec staff, but I feel like I, having gone through, having seen other shows that left me traumatized, (laughs) I have to say that of the people in charge of making shows, I would say Jason Sudeikis is actually one I trust because he has spoken so much about this in a way that I understand that he how much he cares about it and that it's very clear that he knows where it's going and that he mm-hmm. has a plan which is why I'm still confused about why we're going to get more than maybe going to get another season after season three yeah. that's why I'm confused that's the only thing that's having me perplexed just that but yeah. that's neither here nor there because it's we don't know what's true but I would be totally fine with it being because he said he had three seasons planned Mm -hmm. so I at least know that seasons one through three I know I feel like I trust him and there's something to be said for a good three-act story for a good trilogy arc like you might knock it you might say why like why not make it longer why not do more or you know why be so stuck in three-act structure maybe because it works but like (laughs) When a show has three, I mean, even if it's not three, but when a show has a planned number of seasons and is able to follow through with that really well, like, that can be really freaking great. Yeah, The Good Place, Avatar The Last Airbender, great three-season arc, planned from the beginning, executed well. Like The Good Wife, which, The Good Wife, I guess. Sorry, I've never seen that. that It's a really, really good show that I would love to fist fight so bad. But it's really good. And the pilot, if you can read it, it I think you can find it online somewhere. It is annoyingly very good. And the show the showrunners, they had a plan for I think seven seasons. I think seven or eight. And they stuck to it, even though they could have gone longer. So I think they yeah, watch I don't know. but that's not I don't that's up for interpretation. <laughs> So I would love to see them execute the vision they had for Ted Lasso and let it be what it should be and not feel, I mean, if they really, really think they have enough for another season, then maybe go for it. But I don't want to see them try and make another one just because people are like, we want more. Yeah. So that was Ted Lasso. We, we've all enjoyed it. 
it's a fun show. Also, me as a person who actually, frankly, you I don't know that you would know this if you didn't know me, but I frankly hate positivity. Um, <laughs> so me enjoying this show, I feel like is a testament to, to how well-crafted and good it is. Like, this is like maybe the happiest show I've ever watched. And I normally hate that shit. So like, you tell me the other stuff I'm watching and it's like, give me... And like, of course I watch a rom-com, but that is in a different field to me. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. like, this is not something I would have picked up on my own. Did it not have someone that I knew ended in it, frankly. Give Ted Lasso a try if you have not already. So that's all. So would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you on the internet? Oh, absolutely. You can find me on twitter.com at Vinique Moon. And also on Instagram at Vinique.moon. And if you like crochet, I also have a crochet like brand where I sell things. And that is Ooh. at by Vinique on Instagram. And if you Ooh. find me anywhere else, no, you didn't. <laughs> so there yeah uh, cool and we can link all that in the show notes and also don't forget to check out screen spec where Vinique and I both write things it's a fun time and it's a very Ted Lasso friendly publication so thank you again Vinique for joining us yes, today thank you. we had so much fun chatting with you thank you for having me Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you now. If you have any thoughts about the Ted Lasso pilot you'd like to share with us or suggestions for shows we should watch, you can email us at itsinmyqpod at gmail.com. And in case you want to prepare for the next episode discussion with us, the next pilot we will be watching is Euphoria. So go ahead and watch or rewatch that episode so you'll be ready for our thoughts on it next time. If you want to hear our TV thoughts that go beyond the pilot, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at itsinmyq.substack.com for our thoughts and TV news straight in your inbox every Friday. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at inmyqpod or on our personal Twitters. I am at Adina Terrific. And I'm at Kara underscore Powell. Thanks for listening, and we hope we've helped you clear out your queue.